Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, a place for interdisciplinary conversations in the broad world of business research. My name is Andrew Jennings, and it's my pleasure to be your host. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, leave a rating and let other people know about the show, too. And if you have ideas for the show, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. All right, time for the episode. Our guest today is Andre Mancha, a PhD student in economics at Inspire. We'll be discussing his new paper, Dismantling a Market for Stolen Goods, Evidence from the Regulation of Junkyards in Brazil. I'll link to the paper in the show notes for the episode. Andre, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here and talk about my research. Andre, I'm always a bit interested whenever I see a paper about an illicit market. And so your paper certainly captured my attention, a market for stolen goods in the auto space. I wondered if you could tell us about this particular market for stolen goods, or perhaps markets for stolen goods more generally. How do these markets work? What's the motivation behind these markets? What social costs or potentially even social gains do they generate? And why might a market for stolen goods, in particular here, a market for auto theft, present a policy or social problem? Yeah, basically the idea, there's this economic motivation behind this crime. So you can imagine like many criminals, they steal a product for a resale. You can think about cell phone, jewelry, and also vehicles. That is my setting. And depending on the product, these criminals may face more difficult to convert these stolen goods into cash. For example, if we measure jewelry, it's very small, and they can go to a pro shop and sell them. But when you think about the complexity of some products, imagine like a car, that's a huge item to cover and sell to a firm to obtain cash, these criminals may face more difficult. So basically, the idea about this market for stolen goods and listed trade, that in a setting of a weak supervision, like when the state do not cover or do not have the best tools to track these criminals and find how they sell these items that they steal, and this can be like policy issue, like to policymakers, to how can I tackle this kind of crime? How can I, I reduce property crime in a context that the provision of this market for stolen goods are weak? And basically, to the point of view of the consumer, sometimes it's hard to differentiate between products that come from the legal or the illegal market. So when a, when a consumer goes to a pawn shop, for example, it's hard to identify if like a watch or any kind of jewelry is legal or illegal. So there is like this policy issue that if you do not have efficient tools to supervise these firms, this could be create an opportunity to criminals that steal stolen goods and sell them in the legal market. So think about the social costs of this kind of issue. You can think, for example, first you have high rates of property crimes because in this sense, they will be too profitable. So if you do, if a criminal do not face any kind of obstacle to steal a product and sell them to a firm and obtain this kind of liquidity, it will be like a profit market that they will explore without any kind of difficulty. This also creates, like in a broader perspective, few incentives to some firms to operate in the legal market. But if a firm just buy their product from the legal market, 
probably they will pay a higher cost compared to another firm that buy tolling goods for criminals to resale. So this also had this broader perspective and this effect of social costs. So basically the policy problem that we have here, like is try to understand how effective is this kind of market regulation that aim to increase the supervision of some firms to reduce property crime. And basically the idea is try to understand if this institutional change can act as a complementary solution to law enforcement, traditional law enforcement, for example, like investments in police to track and also arrest this kind of criminals. In a setting of right crime, for example, in Latin America or even in North America, that in some place that you have these right rates of property crime, this could be a relevant policy to, if it's effective, deterring criminal activity. With that background in mind, I wonder if you could talk to us about the research questions in this paper and what motivated this particular area of inquiry and your research questions. The main research question is, is this kind of understanding of increased supervision in the legal market can also affect the illicit trade because this is not a straightforward policy because you can imagine like the most of the public policies are focused on deter the crime. Auto theft, for example, in my setting, maybe some governments can try to increase the police surveillance on the streets to try to reduce auto theft. But like in my paper, I try to explore another perspective. Let's try to think about the demand for stolen goods. Like you can have these criminals like stealing vehicles and motorcycles in the streets, but who demands these kind of items? So this is kind of an interesting question because in some sense, this could be like less costly than a strategy just to invest in policy officers and provide better training equipment for police forces to track criminal activity. So the main idea that motivates my research is just that one. Try to understand like if you have a better regulation that will tackle the firms that demand these stolen goods from criminals, this could also be effective or even more effective than just invest in police force. So this is the idea. And if you have this kind of incentives through like harsher monitoring and punishment of firms that buy and sell illegal products, this could be indeed more efficient policy than like just invest in police force that try to track and arrest criminals. In this paper, you were able to identify a natural experiment in the staggered rollout of junkyard regulations among Brazilian states. I wondered if you could talk to us about your empirical strategy. Tell us about this setting of the natural experiment and how it might shine some light or, or be useful in addressing your core research questions. Talking about the context, São Paulo, the state of São Paulo is the biggest and wealthy state of Brazil. And property crime is a huge concern to public authorities here in the country. And more specifically, during the last decade, the amount of auto theft reached like alarming levels in the state of São Paulo. And there was this kind of anecdotal evidence of a collusion between auto theft gangs and junkyards to dismantle stolen vehicles and sell the spare parts in the legal market. Because of that, the state governor of Sao Paulo, they create a task force with members of 
police force, the traffic regulatory agencies, tax authority and public attorney offices to design a new regulation and increase the supervision of junkyards and also the market of vehicle spare parts. This regulation that they design to the state basically impose a series of legal requirements to obtain a permit to run a junkyard. The short-term results after the institutional change, there was a significant decrease in auto theft in the state of Sao Paulo. And motivated by the following the robbers and theft of vehicles in Sao Paulo, the federal government imposed the same requirements to all states. However, each state government had autonomy to choose the timing of implementing this change. So this created this natural experiment that Sao Paulo was the first state to impose this new regulation that increased the monitor of junkyards. And also after that, some states also implemented the same requirements of the state, but not at the same time, like during this staggered rollout occurring in different years from each state. With that empirical setting in mind, interventions in the regulation of junkyards as perhaps being instrumental to reducing or disrupting the market for stolen auto parts in in regions where these regulations are adopted. Could you talk to us a little bit about your empirical methods? My main identification strategy focuses on places that have junkyards, basically to understand the interplay between these firms and auto theft after the regulation. The idea is that like the, the harsher monitoring caused by the regulation increased the barriers to criminals sell stolen vehicles to junkyards. Therefore, I focus on these regions that have larger incidence of junkyards because that are the ones that should present the largest reduction auto theft after the new regulation. The identify assumption is straightforward. Like these gangs that are focused on, on steel vehicles and motorcycles, probably and arguably, they do not drive for long distance to deliver a stolen vehicle to a junkyard because this basically would increase the risk of facing a police officer. So basically, the idea is that this kind of crime is very local. It's very difficult to ridden a vehicle after you steal. So basically, you try to deliver in your municipality or even in block or district very close to the place that you steal a car to reduce the risk of being caught by a police officer. Can you talk to us about some of the the principal findings that you found? Were they mostly consistent with your expectations or were there any surprises in the results? About the findings of my research, uh, the main one is that auto theft decreased on average 4.5% per year in municipalities that have junkyards compared to the ones that do not have. And this right light, the, the interplay of this firm. So basically, we see that after the regulation, we see a larger decrease in auto theft in place that you have these firms that are arguably that the ones that will also receive some of these stolen vehicles to, to dismantle and sell the auto parts in the legal market. Moreover, I, I also collect data on vehicle insurance price to understand the welfare effects, not only reducing crime, but also if this translated in another against the population of these places that have a larger decrease in auto theft. And I also found a decrease of 7% in the insurance price in these cities. 
that also reflect other effects uh, on the welfare caused by the regulation. And last, using geocoded data, I show in the paper that auto theft also decreased more in the neighborhood of junkyard. So in a distance up to one kilometer close to a junkyard, I saw a larger decrease in auto theft. And basically in this approach, I used the location of the junkyards that were closed after the regulation. Basically are the ones that face it more difficult to comply with the new legal requirements. And basically are the ones that I argue that there are there is a larger probability of have these collusive agreements with criminals to receive a dismantled cars and the ones that will be the preferred destinations of these criminals. So these are the main setting of the results that show that this kind of, of crime are very local and concentrated nearby of the places and these junkyards that receive uh, and dismantle vehicles to, to sell the spare parts in the market. What are the policy implications of your results? And to the extent that your findings might be externalizable from a theory perspective, how does this paper update our understanding of illicit markets or markets for stolen goods more generally? The main policy implication is that market regulation can be a powerful policy to tackle property crime and illicit trade. And this policy will complement the efforts and investments in regular law enforcement. The idea, I focus on auto theft in my setting, but the findings may also be generalizable to other markets. For example, jewelries in pro shops, cell phones in electronic stores, and other markets where the consumer demand any some kind of used products or even spare parts for regular maintenance. The key message of my paper is providing low-cost tools to consumer and legal authorities to check if a product is legal or illegal is key to the success of this kind of regulation. For example, in the case of junkyard in Sao Paulo, nowadays all junkyards, they must present a QR code in each spare part and this QR code is connected with the vehicle that the part comes from and all this information is registered in the traffic authority system. So in this sense, the, the regulation, they reduce the cost of supervision, not only through in an inspection of a legal authority, but also if the consumer wants to know if this part is legal or illegal, now they can have like low cost tool that can provide this information. And this will change the behavior of criminals. And this kind of tool, they change the, the behavior of firms that demand stolen goods because now they have like a lower probability of getting caught in an inspection if they do not present this QR code. This is the main policy implications uh, of my, my research. And this, I think, is the main contribution to the literature on economics of crime and also in policies that can also reduce property crime in settings as Latin America, but also in, in any country that have these pervasive levels of, of crime. Are there any key takeaways you'd like listeners of this interview or readers of the paper to have? And to the extent that the economics of crime or illicit markets is something that will continue as part of your research agenda, are there any open questions or areas of inquiry you'd like to, to pursue after this paper? 
Okay. I think the main takeaway that sometimes it's not obvious the best policy to tackle a problem like this, like my main focus in public security policies in this thing, like I show in the paper that it's not only investments in police. So you can think in like another mech change, the regulation that this can also be very efficient solution to understand the interplay between crime and other strategies to reduce illicit trade. One idea is an open question for future research that I want to explore is try to understand the effect of this regulation on the displacement of crime. So basically in the, in the paper, I show that within the state of Sao Paulo, there is no displacement for other crimes, but it's not totally certain if these criminals, they move it to other states or even to other activities. Maybe now, now they're not more negotiating spare parts, but they open another kind of firms that they're also exploiting some kind of illicit trade. So this is an idea that I, I will try to explore in my research and try to understand this kind of trade-off about in criminal markets between specialization, like this kind of criminals that are really focused on some type of crime, or they are like complementary to other activities. So the, the same guy that steal a car, they also steal a cell phone and other products and things like that to understand like a more efficient uh, regulation that not only focus on a type of product, but more generally in all markets that can be exploited by criminals. And last, I also want to explore more the dynamic of insurance price because I show in the paper that they are very sensitive to crime reduction. But I also would like to explore and understand better how the price of certain types of vehicles and motorcycle can be affected. And somehow, if there's how heterogeneous the, is the decrease in prices after the regulation to understand if like there's some type of cars or some brandies that are more demanded by criminals because they, for example, they are very scarce in the market of spare parts. And these also can be guide a better public policy, not only to the market for spare parts, but other markets that can also be exploited by, by criminals. Our guest today has been Andre Mancha a PhD student in economics at Inspire. We've discussed his paper, Dismantling a Market for Stolen Goods, Evidence from the Regulation of Junkyards in Brazil. I'll add a link to the article in the show notes for the episode. Andre, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, rate the show, and let other people know about it too. If you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.